Welcome to Market Proof Marketing, the weekly podcast from the Marketing Minds at DoYouConvert.com, where we talk about the current state of all things digital and how they impact home builders and developers around the globe. We're not here to sell you. We're here to help you and to try and elevate the conversation. I'm Kevin Oakley, and with me today, he's back, the he's ad back. doctor, Andrew Peak. It feels so good to be back. Episode 133 <laughs> with Jackie Lipinski. Lipinski, Hello. She is here. It's always fun. I like that. That where we go at the beginning. Marketing minds that do convert. It's always so much fun because there's so many of us. It's yeah, awesome. Different perspectives, and we tried our best to mm-hmm. scare Jackie away in week one. Didn't work. You know, yeah. Jackie. Um, this does not count as story time yet, but I, I find it hilarious when I start working closely with another individual who I have not worked super close with before. Their observations of me. <laughs> and I think we were on the second or third day where Jackie started letting the observations fly. And by the way, the rest of the team also agrees with this. It's not like she's good. But I love watching someone discover what Kevin Oakley is really like. So yeah. just like just share one thing maybe that you've, oh, here we go. you've come oh, to Kevin, understand. I, I keep telling people Kevin is actually a robot. I haven't seen him uh-huh. eat or drink. I think he, you know, like I, I don't understand how he functions, <laughs> but you know, it definitely, I think lives up to my expectation of what to expect with, with the team coming on. And, and so, uh, like it's I, I mean, future. Like, yeah. <laughs> well, Kevin, <laughs> and, and the reverse, I was like, all right, Kevin, after week one, I have 21 pages of notes and he's like, oh, okay. So yeah, right. <laughs> I, yeah, think yeah it works I, I would say ways. right back at you, Miss yeah. Robot in terms of your yeah. note taking ability, That's but fun. yeah, yeah. Vision. I, I jokingly say all the time, it's my German heritage that I just frequently, if I have things to do, I will just skip a meal or, you know, and, and there's days like today, this is a six call day. And so it's even my wife, I I love the fact that, you know, having FaceTime or zoom conversations with family members that last, you know, like 15, 20 minutes. And it starts to get a little bit taxing on your, (laughs) on your faculties. And she's like, you do this for six hours a day. You know, so it is. It is a lot, but, yeah. um, so we tried, we try always to scare people in their first week to the maximum degree possible. <laughs> and she's still here. She's still here. She Andrew, where were you last week? And then I we'll was in, story time. uh, the Republic of Dominican, Dominican Republic in Cap Cana. Uh, it was our 10 year anniversary. We've been married for 10 years. So we went down there. Oh, that's perfect. That's perfect. No kids. You know, there's no kids allowed. Adult only resort. <laughs> Beautiful. Sorry, that was an accident, but it worked. <laughs> We've got an extra night because our flights got canceled like a month ago before. So we actually had a flight onto Miami the night before. So I'm like, oh, sure, we'll go. We'll have an extra night. Why not? Let's do this. Awesome. It was perfect. And that's where my story comes from. Actually, oh, well, is, let's, uh, yeah, let's see, head on it's, over. It's perfect. Story time begins now. Go ahead. The shower head. So we have a brand new home. Actually, it's not brand new anymore. It's a 2018 model, as Quint Lears would say. We have it. We're, we're in a 2018 <laughs> model home built by KB. The 2018 KB 3018, I think, or 3015 floor plan. And so we picked out the matching shower heads and the hardware and all this stuff that I thought we're like, oh, it's good enough. Like it looks like it's in the middle of the road. Uh-huh. And then we went on this trip. And we stayed in a nice hotel by the airport. I'm like, this is a legit shower. It was a little crazy. There were two shower heads above you, rainfall or whatever it is. Waterfall, rainfall, rain. You know what I'm talking about? Like mm-hmm. the big, uh, the big yeah, square ones. Makes it feel like it's raining. Yeah. Like ridiculous amount of water, like mm-hmm. 50 gallons per minute. And then there's ones coming out of the wall. You're like, what do we even do? This is nuts. And then we go to the resort, like luxury style resort. Same thing. I'm like, this shower is ridiculous. And I've always had like what, like weather I'll talk about oddly mm-hmm. and too much. Shower heads, I've definitely noticed, like, I'll be like, 
that's just crazy. Like this is it like starts your day off perfect because of this shower. <laughs> and then we get home and I'm like, <laughs> what the front door is wrong with our shower head? This thing is broken. Like I'm like spinning around like it's where's the water? Like this is ridiculous. Like this thing is awful. And no, that's just what it that's just what it is. So now I'm ruined. Like, mm. but it's all relative. And so I was thinking about this, like, especially as we get into um Builders might or might not have some issues with complaints on things getting delayed. It's all relative. Like, so mm-hmm. if we could relatively be better than the next person or have a relatively better experience, mm. really anything, like if you could have that upper hand, say it was like in sales, like you could have like, I think there's a, there's a builder we work with. They include um, tile surrounds and their bathrooms versus the fiberglass. So it looks really, really nice. And then they, so if they saw them first, and if that sales presentation, like, hey, we do this, this is included. Most builders, they might charge a little bit more for it, but we have this. We think it makes the home look really nice. And then they go to the next builder and they're like, oh, no, that's that's an upcharge. I don't know the pricing on it. Once you go to the dining studio, you'll find out how much it is. They're like, oh, well, I really like the towel surround. Like, that's what's on Instagram and Pinterest. So that, it just made me think, like, how many things we decide in life is because of this relative comparison. Everything has to have context yep. to mm-hmm. another option to really Which, show value. What is, what is that predictively irrational? I think one of the books mm-hmm. that you recommend, yep. like it's in there, whole chapter on relative. And I'm like, oh man, I just got tricked by my own self that I now have to spend, I don't know, I'm trying to find like that model that they had in the hotel because it was like perfect. Like even like the, well, they, it, it, the in another I'm country, like, they may have different availability of, oh, yeah. you know, low flow toilets are, are a thing and low flow shower heads are a mm-hmm. thing and, and, certain parts of the country you can't get a shower head that's going to have although there was someone i remember i need to import it from i think it was it the builder show in 2010 someone came out with a oh, shower man. head that made water feel wetter See, that sounds absurd doesn't <laughs> yeah. it and, but this, and it was fascinating I was just like, that. yeah as a marketer i'm like our water's that is baloney that's water. that's bullcrap <laughs> i don't know what you just said there but that can't be true and then they explained that no essentially there was there's a mechanism in the shower head that flattens out every water droplet. So the surface area of the droplet that hmm. hits you becomes larger. It's the same amount of water, but instead of a teardrop shape, it's flatter. And so the water does feel like there's more of it when it hits you. Makes sense to me. So these had whatever going on. I'm like, this is, this is good. <laughs> like I need this. So I'm trying to find it. They're not on Amazon. Or at least you need I that don't. much water. It sounds like you just need to take a bath, honestly. I, but. It takes so long. <laughs> this is, it was crazy. But yeah, well, I'll find out if I could if I could get it. If anyone knows, like just just message and be like, here's the one you need, Andrew. Thanks. Andrew, you know, I, I once went to a hotel and I I had to go up front and ask the people. I was so obsessed with the way the hotel smelled. I was like, How are you oh, doing see. this? So if you call that hotel, I am positive they'll oh, be yeah. like, Yep, we know what exactly this is, and, and they'll the, give you their list. Lindsay was tired of me saying this, but the place we stayed out was very similar in feel to the uh, Phoenix Biltmore that we had the mm. um, oh, yeah. the summit at. Just the way it it flowed, there was no long hallways that were straight. Like it was just, I'm like, this is like the Dominican version of the Phoenix Biltmore. Very organic feeling. Yes, very organic. And I'm like, just like thought about the summit like half the time. <laughs> I'm like, I'm on vacation. <laughs> Why am I thinking about the summit? My very first one. Yeah. Well, I know Inman, I think, has events in like, uh, destination events, right? So we should have a, we should have one, <laughs> uh, an extra half of a summit type thing in Hawaii one year, right? I'd be yeah. with that. Yeah. No. I, I will not complain. <laughs> Lindsay, it's two weeks long. I don't even know like what it is to try to pull back to, to okay. usable advice here in the comparison <laughs> part. One of the things that 
there's a lot of new, but uh, new things that came up in a different way, maybe. But everyone that we talked to this past week was having the same issue, which was, Mm -hmm. I have so many people on my VIP list or waiting list and everything that I typically do to whittle that down, we still can't process well, no matter how many online salespeople or salespeople you have. Crazy. If you're releasing 50 home sites and you've got a thousand people still on your list, you can't process that many people well. And so how do you keep whittling that down? Or even once it's been released, how, how do you make sure that um, you're able to, to move people through? And one example, someone m- made up numbers here, but neighborhood opens up, grand release occurs, $300,000. But by the time that someone makes it there, it's their turn in line because the price increases, they're at 340. And that's not, hmm. historically, that wouldn't have raised probably that much if you were only a week and a half behind in terms of your turn to, to make a selection. And one of the things we talked a lot about was just let's make everyone disappointed faster. Like in comparison, whichever builder strings you out the longest, it's like everyone around the holidays who was letting you purchase a toy for your kids and then just hoping the boat from China showed up in time to actually deliver it on Christmas Day. Right. People will remember that. And now is not the time where you have to hedge your bets by keeping all 1000 of those people hanging on every possible outcome. We probably need to be more proactive by saying, Hey, prices have gone up. Uh, click here. If you are now out, like unsubscribe yourself from this, from this VIP list. And maybe even saying over the next 30 to 60 days, we anticipate pricing to go here to just encourage even more people to like, there's just no reason to as a comparison thing, because I agree with you, Andrew, people will start talking much more about their experience with builders as we mm-hmm. start seeing people again, oh, <laughs> and, for know, sure. whether in office or events, whatever, it's gonna be like, what's going on? Oh, I'm building a home. I'm building a home too. There'll be so many. I'm, yeah. I'm trying to buy a home. Um, I'm and, and so it's th- that comparison could, if you do it right, um, it's the like- amount of internal chaos, mm-hmm. the amount of internal chaos that's being created right now by how we're trying to control and and flatten out sales or keep land availability intact it's we're not we're not being real strategic about it very reactionary because everyone still believes like this is all going to end Thursday and so we better yeah. no, I don't think so <laughs> we can't we can't let up cuz what if it all ends you know it's it's going to be going around for a while yet in fact and I feel like those conversations just like I'm, I'm just repeating what you're saying they're going to happen anyways like it's not like you're not going to have the conversation with everyone that mm-hmm. could be a possible buyer like just let them know let them know sooner sooner yeah and I don't I feel like I shouldn't say answer are builders dropping floor plans smaller floor plans to increase pricing versus versus increasing pricing well, that leads me to my actual story uh, oh, story time, which was we were talking to someone today, different scenario than some people may be familiar with, but they're releasing a new neighborhood where the issue is only going to be comps, getting getting the proper comps so that their homes will appraise when they sell mm. them. Mm-hmm. Okay. And so yeah, that's... they believe that the the retail value of these homes should be around in, in the 800s, let's just say. And most people on their list would qualify for homes of that size. But appraisal wise, they're stuck in the low to mid sevens. And so what, what an issue. one of the questions that that was asked to us was, what do you think about having the base price be a hundred thousand dollars higher, but including a hundred thousand dollars in design studio options? But like you either use it or you lose it. So 
in essence, just raise, making sure that the standard has to be there mm -hmm. gotcha. in terms of the total, because they have to get either cash buyers or people who have enough cash to make that work. The first couple of sales have to be that so that the appraisals can work for everyone else to come. And she's like, I don't know. That seems a little risky. What do you think? And I said, you should do it <laughs> because <Yeah. laughs> this is one of the positive parts of the market we're in that anything does work. Remember, anything will work. Anything will sell. This is, this is not reality. And I just said, make sure you put a big sticky note next to this idea that says never again or, or just for now. But that the story, the, the moral of the story here is as much as I talk about the dangers of the time that we're in and getting complacent and um, forgetting the right way to do certain things, this is also the time to really truly take advantage of the fact that we can do things that typically would not work. And so that makes sense. Yeah, I think I think builders are doing things like reducing smaller floor plans or just making the value proposition um, on the smaller ones, instead of looking at it at a percentage basis only, they're also looking and saying, I want to make a percentage profit, but I also want to make no less than this amount per home site that I sell. Cause I don't know when the next one to replace it's coming down the line. And so on those smaller homes, those percentages have to be higher or to hit that, hit that, that set goal amount. Mm -hmm. The other part of my story time was that you just right now, you need to be completely blind to the term efficient and what I mean by that is this is not the time and for the foreseeable future, it is not the time to try to make your cost per click lower, your cost per lead lower. I mean, it is right now. You really only need to be focusing on communities that are struggling. And if you're only focusing on the things that are struggling by definition, it will cost you more than the average cost has been costing you. And that is a okay. We don't need any more efficiency when it comes to sales, leads, appointments, uh, traffic. We don't need it. And so take all of that energy of not having to worry about efficiency, which is what we worry about most of the time. Yeah. And focus on the future and content and the site and the customer experience, all those other things, because you, you're not going to be able to do both effectively. It will feel painful for some of us where that's like, how do we get this most efficient? Well, how do we get again, more that, out of it? We don't, we don't talk about specifics, but there, we do work with a builder currently who this, this year alone, by taking our recommendations and they're, they're a small builder, like under 500 homes a year, they will save half a million dollars by taking our advice in terms of ad spend and agency cost. So like they can still worry about being efficient. <laughs> Does that make sense? Like <laughs> if you're, if you're just, if your cost per lead is $2,000 currently, no, you should, no, no, you no. should still focus on efficiency. Yeah. But for those of you who have hit, just amazing data points recently just erase it right now focus focus on something else that's not sure. something to be proud of right now like on uh say facebook for example an efficient campaign could be 10 cents to say 30 cents whereas if you're focusing on the struggling communities really it's likely going to be like 60 cents to like i don't i've seen like dollar 50 where normally that's like okay there's something wrong with the community but we're just using facebook like to aggressively to try to fix it instead of fixing it on the other end exactly but yeah but just expect it, I guess, instead of thinking like, oh, no, I'm doing something wrong. It's like, no, you're doing everything right. That's just what it is. Yeah, exactly. All right, Jackie, your story time segment is just more questions for me. Oh, okay. no. Are you good with that? <laughs> do you, do you have a story ready to go? <laughs> I, I do not. Okay. So you wish. No. <laughs> what has surprised you the most in your now almost first two weeks of 
either in comparison to what your job was as a marketer for a home builder to what you're hearing mm -hmm. other people talk about, or just in terms of commonalities of challenges or really a, it's rather open-ended, but trying to give you a couple places to start from as, as ideas. Sure. I, I think a lot of builders have very common issues and I think it's, it's been great on the back end to see how each builder is solving that problem that works best with them. Mm -hmm. And then, see, you know, we're, we're kind of like, all right, here's the constant, here are the variables and here's how these people are able to, to solve that or like we said, like, don't focus on your great communities right now, focus on your struggling communities. And how are people doing that? Or how are people being like, okay, now's the time to scroll away content. And yeah, I, I think there's that. And then just people who are hyper-focusing on now, and then there's people taking advantage of this time to think of some, I think we talked to someone this week who was like, yeah, here's the next two years. And, yeah. and uh, I was, <laughs> I was like, Oh, thank you. I'm glad you're able to look over this moment a little. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Yeah. So. What, what we talked about is there, there may never be a time where you'll be able to think this far forward as a marketer yeah. again. Yeah. In this <laughs> Take industry. advantage of it. Yeah, absolutely. And, and part of the scary part too, is the more that the market heats up and, you know, we shared uh, yesterday on social channels, you know, the Biden administration has talked about adding basically free $15,000 in down payment assistance for anyone who is a new homeowner or a first time, they call it a first time credit, but that the fine print so far looks like it would be, hasn't purchased a home in the last three years, which I, I think well, you know, everyone that's, yeah. that's a lot of people. So adding more fuel to that fire just yeah. means that likely it's going to compress the total length of this, this ride that we're on. But that's, yeah, it's it's um too many leads, too many it has been consistent for a long time yeah. with the builders that we talk with. But now the challenge of too many appointments, too many sales, too many people on wait lists, too many people still asking where am I on the wait list? <laughs> We're like transitioning from VIP list to wait list. It's yeah. And here's what makes that so much harder. And this, we might, we might just skip news or, or do compressed news because this is important discussion. Uh, if I've talked about on the podcast and with individuals that right now, pre-sale without fail, more or less like, okay, I'm not. It's on my you, wall right behind me. You don't, you don't have to do all the steps in that process right now. I, I still think you should, but I don't push on it very hard because again, anything will sell. Like you open up the neighborhood, it's gone. It's, or hmm. you release the home sites, they're sold. You don't have to have that entire process in place to have success. I think at some point very soon, you probably will, but you don't. The, the thing that hit me this week, though, was when you have a wait list. So the community is open and you're staging the sales that are available to come in a given time period, or you've got a, a rolling phase release kind of approach. When you're doing that and you've got hundreds of people on this list that are at different places. So in the pre-sale without fail process, everyone's in the same boat and there's these different phases and the online sales team can communicate with them individually, but more importantly, in mass with regular updates. Hey, here's this week's update of where we are. Here's what happened with the development process. Here's a sample floor plan, right? It, they can communicate with everyone and keep them on the same page. In this other scenario where it's open, all the information is available, and it's all just about helping people say, this is the process to purchase. Like you have to get pre-approved, then you can have an appointment, then there's a lottery, whatever those steps are that you have. And people, because of the lack of ability of online sales teams and sales teams to communicate with hundreds of people at once, one-to-one, -one, 
the the analogy because you know I love them is take like five different colored marbles, like a hundred of each, and then throw them all up in the air, and say now, you know, communicate with each color individually. Like we're just we've got all these people in different phases of the process, and so now the communication and the follow up has to be more one to one. And these people are feeling lost and confused because they haven't heard from anyone in a week. And so we've just talked a lot about, you know, add a, Jackie, your idea, or, or maybe it was Becca's was, you know, add a, in your call rail, press four if you're already on the wait list and have questions. And mm -hmm. then let them leave a voicemail. Then anyone on the team, even beyond online salespeople, could be the one to follow up with that. Something else we talked about just today was maybe you put a date next to the first sentence or two of the community description where you're saying exactly what's happening right now. Cause as in the vaccine rollout and trying to read what like our mm. county's process was on that, since I'm high risk, you know, what I noticed is they were like, this was last updated January 18th. And so there was more confidence of knowing I'm not missing something. They're just not out of touch and not keeping it updated. So maybe you need to say like, as of January 20th, this is the current state. We've sold this many homes, yep. this many more appointments are available to be held and just using the community page itself as a way to keep more frequent updates. Because people are going back to that, that page again and again and again, just lots yeah. of different ways that we have to find to communicate. And so again, we're, what, what hit me differently this week was when everyone's part of that same process and you're doing more of the work up front versus just saying, it's all open, it's all available, move as fast as you want, but we're limited in availability to sell there's really like these six or four different large groups of people, but builders haven't thought about how to identify them to be able to send out segmented emails in groups and, and they don't have the capacity to do it individually. And so people are feeling lost and frustrated and, and confused. What a challenge it's. Yeah. As I think as long as people, my thought is as long as people know kind of where they are in this line, they can have, they could keep their emotions under control. But if all of a sudden they're on the ride at Disney World, then line to go on Space Mountain, mm -hmm. and then they can't even see Space Mountain anymore. They can't even see the behind them. They're like, I'm lost. What's happening? I'm, I'm mad. Why is no one helping me? What is this? And they'll start blowing up your phone and email. Well, yeah, time. it's about being persistent with your presence. And to that point, they might think they know where they are in that line. That's not, I don't think where the consumer's concern is coming from. It's like, did you forget where I am in that line? Because yeah. I haven't heard from you in four days. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Which and we saw, yeah, we saw frequent. one builder, yeah, where their Facebook is getting blown up by, where am I? Are you contacting me? You know, and, and so mm -hmm. they're also trying to play defense on Poor OSCs social right now. page. <laughs> yeah. I mean, we've talked about taking phone numbers off websites to online salespeople because yeah. maybe it's better if they have time to interact with the people who are already on those lists versus you got online salespeople taking 60 new, new inbound leads a day from phone calls. That they don't have time to crazy. respond to all those other people who have questions and are already in the process. There's gotta be, I don't know if, is anyone using like any type of waitlist software? I feel like we're definitely diverging from what we're normally talking about, <laughs> but I think this is, if this is, well, I think that's, this is I, what not, we need. Not to my um, knowledge, but I think that's where they are. Most of them have that. the CRM tool already, Andrew. The problem is that, because this was reactive and rolled out so fast, mm -hmm. no one thought about the fact that we should have another subset of fields to keep track of to say Correct. you're in phase one, phase two, yeah. phase three, phase four. Cause then you that again, could, you could just email could everyone in phase four and say, here's the latest yeah. Yeah. community phase one community or group one. Yeah. Instead or of just ex phase. yeah. Export them at the date of which they came in and then just kind of yeah. loop them together. And if you think about typically percent. the ratings 
in a CRM system around VIP is VIP, VIP responded, maybe VIP dash hot. And none of those really communicate where someone is in that four-step process that you're currently using to sell homes. Like it's, it's just thinking like that's out of date now. We need to go back and, and rethink that. Yeah. What a crazy world. <laughs> oh yeah. I mean, it's it like is. we're a restaurant now with like, we're, we're booking in advance and we don't have tables. I, and like, I have a tab open right now, Andrew. For it's all restaurants. List. Yeah. It's all obviously restaurants, but I'm trying to see if there's a good solution here, but <laughs> like, I'll dive into it later. All right. Well, let's move okay. on to the news and let's get nerdy for just a quick second. Actually, no, oh. let's, let's, let's not go nerdy. Let's go fun first. Okay. Fun. So from techcrunch.com data January 19th, Facebook and Instagram's AI generated image captions now offer far more details. This was something that, uh, the ad doctor talked to us all about, mm, I feel like Year two years ago, ago or something. Yeah. It was many moons. Yeah. And so now instead of just saying when, when there's an image systems using computer visioning to be able to, to determine what is in that image and help create alt text that you could see. And now Facebook is announcing that the system has gotten much improved to the point. And I'm just going to read this one from the top of the article. It's just a picture of a, of a gentleman playing the bongos or something like that. Something. And there's sure. four other people behind him. And this is the description that Facebook's system auto-generated. It may be an image of five people, including Jay Yeomans, people playing musical instruments, people standing, two hats, and five drums. Whereas again, the first time I reported this, it would have been like image of people with instruments that might be, yep. but this is even calling out a specific person, which is it's, it's great, which we, so Zillow has this, right? I forgot mm -hmm. what they called it. I'm gonna call yeah. it Zillow, Zillow vision or something. Yeah. Just computer vision, computer yep. vision, vision. And this, they have already have the face recognition. Like you might've been tagged in a photo. And so to me, I view this as like, they've been working on this, but it's more or less this is maybe I'm being conspiracy, but like they're trying to figure out how to have this be publicly known without the public thinking that they can creep on every little thing that they post, which they right. already can. I so think a little like, bit of it is like if we, we better dole this out slowly so it yeah. doesn't break as like a shocking information. Facebook's privacy concerns go way beyond what you know. Click because it could be like, I mean, the picture to me, like this would be like a Cuban place in downtown Tampa, which has a very large Cuban population. Just and so just they might have that, like where, what country is this in? What is, what are the people type? What music would this be playing? They could assume all these things about, about that just based on the picture, which they yeah. probably do. They just have to like, how do we let people know we know this much? Like, mm -hmm. we'll be on, like I'm going to go see Biden if uh, we yeah. tell everyone what's going on. This system started in 2016, which the article says is eons ago in the field of machine learning, right? So it's, it's yeah. not surprising how much better it is, but this is this falls under the category of interesting, and yet also when it comes to advertising, this is why we try to explain to people that the words you put in your ad and the images you choose matter, because Facebook is also using this data not just to create alt text, but to help determine who should see this ad, who is this ad for, based upon the content that's in it. So even though, as an example, you can no longer choose income as a as a field in terms of who you're targeting. If you say a certain price point in the ad, that should, by default, help slowly target to the right people over time as it learns. Yep. Which, if there's anyone doubting that, just think on the concept of at Facebook, where they're cycling new reps and they're changing their rep system. They have, I forgot how many, what the number was, but it was like 20 some odd people only in real estate 
Facebook ads. So they already have like these pre pre uh, like these categories that they support. And so it only makes sense if they have like the machine learning, we need to figure out how to analyze pictures for real estate or for each vertical that they're supporting with their advertising. And then you go, Oh yeah, of course they would do that. Why wouldn't they do that? They have how many employees? Like, of course they would make these things. So it's yeah, the pictures make a big, big difference. Yep. From searchengineland.com, DuckDuckGo's focus on privacy-minded users pushes it past 100 million searches in a single day. And although it's a long way from being a Google competitor, DuckDuckGo's a search engine, uh, their business model may serve as a playbook for new search engines. So um, as privacy becomes a bigger topic and um, we're seeing censorship, we're not talking at all right now about whether that is good or bad. We're going to hop over that. There's other podcasts and other places that you can go check that stuff out. Perfect. But people perceive the need for more privacy, whether true or, or not. And it's just interesting how this, this curve, you know, back in, uh, let's see what their data points here are. Let's just assume this is like 20. I mean, it's gone up. 15 times in the last, in terms of growth in the last year and a half, in terms of an average per day search. So Andrew, Jackie, does that mean we need to start trying to figure out how to reach people via DuckDuckGo this afternoon? Jackie says no with that face. (laughs) (laughs) Not at all. There's the percents on there where it compares Bing to DuckDuckGo. And -hmm. I think DuckDuckGo was like two point some odd percent of the market. Bing was eight some odd percent. And I, I live in Microsoft world, you know, I'm in Seattle and we advertised on Bing and we went, well, this isn't worth it. You know, there's (laughs) people are forced to use it on their computers here. So to be determined, you know, how we end up with DuckDuckGo. And I, I just think I agree for for a second here as an aside, like over the top, uh, advertising. So using over the top devices, Mm -hmm. uh, what, what are those things? Apple TVs and Roku boxes, whatever. Mm-hmm. That seems to be one of the latest hot things that everyone wants to talk about and and push. Like when I when I say everyone, I mean the people trying to sell stuff to builders. It's like, hey, we do this now. You can you can sell this. You need to not be left behind. I I just yes, you should you should understand how it works and you should be aware that it is an option out there. But in today's environment of not having home sites available, not having inventory, having too many people on the wait list. I guess real quickly, argument for or against, like, I I guess I could go a little bit either way, but like, is that something again, since I just asked you before, do we need to spend time trying to figure out how to use DuckDuckGo to our advantage over the top advertising? Is that on a scale of one to 10, 10, meaning you better drop everything and figure it out this afternoon. And one meaning, um, I, I'm not sure I know what that means. I would say you need to be like at a two and a half. Yeah. Yeah, I would probably say three. Be, be aware of it. Have it on your radar, but do you need to drop everything? No. Yeah, I agree. There's so many other things that are the fours and fives that like, if you think of like, I'm gonna do the fours first before the twos and threes. Yeah. Um, get those out of the way. And I think it's first. not, it's not an ad spend question for me. It's amount of, I probably have to work or pay someone to create content for that. That's what I was thinking. And anytime that I'm using time to create content for something that is not for my site first. It's like, I would, I would highly question whether I should be doing that right now, you know, yeah. creating the content and the experience on your own site versus figuring out how to drive more people to you. 
is again, not the problem. Especially on something where they can't click and just go to it. That's my, that's one thing that I can't stand. Like, it's amazing. I'm like, it's TV. Like we could, and there are, I think there YouTube, are some, like, have YouTube there are ads, some like, opportunities to, on some devices to have some type of additional um, information appear, but you're right. I'm, I'm not aware that you can just pull up the website and start browsing. I don't think it's had that. So QR codes six, when I, what was it? Oh, 10 years yeah. ago. Terrible. Mm-hmm. But now it's like, yeah. Oh, the menu, you need it for the menu. And yeah. now people are finally used to using it. I think it's mm-hmm. the sort of thing with this, like, that's a weird experience to be like, Oh, like QR code pop on TV. I don't think they're doing it that way. Or like a push notification pop to my phone. Like that's weird, but maybe in five, 10 years, something will be the catalyst to make that normal where you can then yep. watch yep. and then it's on your phone or something. All right. Last news article of the day from Zillow.com. Austin expected to be nation's hottest housing market in 2021, leading a Sunbelt surge. Woo. Uh, that's by Jeff Tucker, dated January it. 19th. Yeah. Expensive coastal markets, New York, San Francisco, and LA are most likely to underperform, though Zillow still expects growth in every market. Every market, including the ones that everyone loves to hate right now or hate on. Um, key tailwinds include an improved economic outlook underpinned by progress on coronavirus vaccines, while affordability and available supply are potential drags. And that's, <laughs> but yeah, I mean, Austin and the Sun Belt in general mm-hmm. are going to be on fire because yeah. why would you want to live in Columbus, Ohio and look build at, a new house, Kevin? Look at all Tampa. What's wrong with you? Me is number four. Mm-hmm. That's crazy. Oh man, it's because it's Florida and there's, it, it's interesting that the stories and this could be true or not true, anecdotal, but people moving from more restrictive or controlled, maybe better decision-making states from COVID down to Florida because of the, look, they have every restaurant open <laughs> like what in the world, <laughs> right. and you just go and there's like, it looks like there's nothing that has changed, but they're kind of wanting that. It's, it's weird. Yeah. And I can obviously like the weather has a factor or two where it's like, all right, if I can work from home now, I want to be able to use my outside at every point of, you right. know, and, and so, I mean, yep. that was the reason I left Chicago. I was like, I can't go outside for four months. Not <laughs> yeah, that would be horrible. <laughs> well, little do people know, right, Andrew, that in, even in Tampa, you have, yes, oh, summer, yeah. I mean, your winter is summer, right? Correct. Like you yeah. stay inside yeah. in the AC summer. all day. Yeah. You, you know? have uh, August, September, October. I'll never forget when horrible. I went to St. George, Utah. They were like, yeah, there's times of the year when you're here where like not having bottled water means you could die. <laughs> like when you leave the <laughs> house, like, like I don't ever think to myself, my, my, my eight year old has this obsession of like, must have a bottle of water when they get in the car. And so they have to run back inside and fill up a bottle of water. That's funny. Yeah. I, I, that never crossed my mind, but they're like, Keys, no, no, phone, you, water. they're preparing. Yeah. You think about that. <laughs> cool. You will die. Yeah, Austin, oh. Texas is a uh, mm-hmm. is a uh, is just Austin, Phoenix, Nashville, incredible place right and, now. Dallas is seeing, and Houston, yeah. by the way, is is as well. But Houston was already, still is the largest market in the country in terms of permits, so they can absorb or take more growth before it feels like it's being stretched in the same way that Austin is right now. Didn't wasn't there a story where you said like, um, and maybe again, this is maybe not a good story, but like driving in Texas, like people don't mind driving an hour. Did you imply oh, that like, like, Oh, you just go on a drive. Like, Oh, it's an hour. Was that, that, that's local yeah. Texans. Yes. Just because of the okay. size and everything is spread out because there's land everywhere. There's, that's why I was thinking like, and so they could just keep going and people mm-hmm. are like, Oh, it is what it is. That's what yeah. And in comparison, right. You could, you might be moving from LA where you're not used to the physical distance being that far, but you, you're going to sit in traffic for an hour, mm-hmm. hour and a half to get three miles. So 
And most of the time in Texas, at least the last time I was there a year ago, you're still moving, <laughs> you know, you're just going, you're nice. just going for a long time. Yep. All right. Well, well, that'll do it for the news. We'll take a quick break and we'll be back with this week's guest of the week, Carly Sickles, the digital marketing manager at corporate for MI Homes. We'll cool. be right back. Fun. Today we have Carly Sickles, the digital marketing manager with MI Homes and someone who unfortunately has to work on a regular basis with Mr. Will Duderstadt. Uh, Carly, welcome to the program and apologies in advance for what you have to go through every day. <laughs> Thanks for having me and it's a wild ride. Will's amazing. <laughs> so where did Will and you first connect? How did you find your way to MI Homes, the 13th largest home builder in the country for anyone who's not alive and paying attention? <laughs> well, it's not too crazy of a story. I actually worked for between four and five years in a marketing agency here in Columbus. And I was working with multifamily housing industries. So I worked a lot with the rental side of things, mm -hmm. which was pretty interesting moving into home building and kind of seeing the similarities and differences there. Oh yeah, there, we'll definitely but... come back to that. I want to hear your perspective. <laughs> Yeah, so I was working a lot with student housing apartment companies, uh, lease-ups, like brand new buildings being built uh -huh. downtown across the nation. So that was really cool. And I just came to a point where I was kind of exploring more options and, and my homes had an opening. So of course, from there, had a few conversations with Will and Emily Smith, if you know Emily, uh -huh. back when she worked with MI. And I swooped into MI at the perfect timing because that was right when we had the launch of our brand new website. Oh, yeah. So I wasn't in the trenches with actually building out that new website, but I kind of started right after that. So probably was a, a, a good thing as as, <laughs> as far as websites go, the, you know, lo longer than expected, more expensive than expected. Any Anytime a company of your size goes through that endeavor, for the for people listening who have gone through the website process, and they're like, yeah, it was, you know, it, it was delayed by 30 days or two months or three months. You yes. don't know <laughs> times 10 if you're working sometimes uh, on projects of that scale. So that's yeah, awesome. So you can imagine they were also trying to go through obviously a hiring process. And mm -hmm. so that was extended. So I was like, well, maybe, maybe I won't be on the MI Homes team. But <laughs> so what was your initial role when, when you joined MI? Uh, when I joined MI, I was a web content coordinator. So it was. Wow, you're like all of the. Important topics, you know, rent rentals, I do think are going to become a bigger part of home builders um, revenue opportunities, especially as interest rates go up. So that's going to come back around to, to be a great resource for you. And then, I don't know, we talk about content now and then. Yeah, <laughs> like every, sometimes. Every 30 yeah, seconds. So what, what did that role entail for you? Um, it was really interesting because... At MI, the way that we're structured, we kind of act as that in-house agency for mm -hmm. our 15 different divisions. So I kind of got to take some of my skill set from working in an agency setting with multiple different brands and companies and kind of focusing all of that in on the MI Homes brand. Um, so that was really interesting to kind of 
have the consistency across the board, but also still have that those different challenges within each of the markets that we're in. Because uh-huh. the way things go in Texas are way different than how they go in Detroit. <laughs> right. Yeah, everything's different in Texas. So the, you were, it was about creating standards. I, I can imagine enforcing standards across how many different divisions in total? Uh, currently 15. Yeah, that, that's going to be a challenge. Um, mm-hmm. What, what was what was the biggest surprise going into that role that you just couldn't have expected or anything kind of just catch you off guard in a good or um, bad way? It doesn't have to be bad. People always think I mean in a bad way. I just mean something you didn't expect. Yeah, I guess this relates from working with rentals and then moving into the new home industry. And this might sound silly, but the biggest like surprise that I had was the role of like online sales counselors for us it's internet sales managers Mm, uh the rental side doesn't have that (laughs) i mean some companies might have some sort of role here and there that falls under that bucket Mm -hmm. but a lot of it was just directly getting those leads and they fall into the hands of the property managers or people on site so that's interesting to have have that middleman um was kind of mind-blowing to me at first so do you think that's because most rental companies use an outside agency to handle all of the marketing? And so there, there is no ability to have a love child of sales and marketing, which is what we call online sales people, because it, it, it wouldn't make sense. Like how does someone who worked for a marketing company yeah, I think it, have those conversations? I think, it's, uh, I think it definitely has to do with the fact that a lot of companies in the multifamily housing industry are still pretty old school. Um, we feel the same uh, challenges on our side here today, but I think we're definitely making progress, especially from 2020 moving into 2021. That there was finally that like aha moment from our leadership <laughs> teams of like, oh wait, marketing and online marketing is important, and we need more than one person handling all these different <laughs> topics and subjects. <laughs> right. So right. So web content coordinator now digital marketing manager obviously a bigger umbrella. What is, what is digital marketing encompass at a company the size of MI? So our marketing department as a whole is probably between, I think we're at like 17 people now. Um, I might be wrong on that exact number, <laughs> but <laughs> um, so like I said, when I started, I was working with Emily and then she quickly found like her dream position and um it was just me for a while, the sole web content coordinator. And I was working with Will and handling all 15 of these divisions, trying to coordinate all their content. Um, and over time, uh, we were able to grow our team. We now have three web content coordinators. Um, and I'm the digital marketing manager, kind of helping manage that team and overseeing a lot of our large spends on digital advertising. So paid search, paid social. Um, all that fun stuff, um, huh. and working with our our vendors and our partners to just coordinate all of that. Yeah, so all all the all the digital advertising paid spend for the most part, plus what shows up on the website, how it's being developed. Again, qu- quality um, enforcement is probably the most difficult and unsung and underappreciated. Like, how do you tell people? Mm-hmm your picture is ugly <laughs> and still have them <laughs> yes. want to see you like ever again, uh, is a, is a challenge. So mm-hmm. you guys have also done some things, uh, that have been 
at a scale, I wouldn't say they're brand new, but at a scale that other builders ha- I haven't seen try yet. Um, talk to me a little bit about the the live stream you guys did closer to the end of the year. Out of, Ooh, a, out of I'm a still processing that event. That was so much fun. Um, so, so a live stream is not new. Uh, re- right, using a chef and cooking uh, in a model home as a concept and using that content isn't necessarily new, but. Um, you guys, I think, flew people in from other states to MC it. Uh, you had celebrity chefs, and um, it was it was definitely a more serious, more production oriented. Like this mm-hmm. wasn't some webcam, like a Logitech webcam, like someone was holding on a selfie stick kind of production. Right. At least it didn't seem like it. What was yeah, it? So the, <laughs> there was a lot of motives behind that event, and we're really happy with how it turned out, but. The way it sort of started was typically we run some sort of Q4 campaign. Um, Usually there's incentives behind it, but as we know, last year was pretty different. Um, And a lot of people were dipping their toes into more and more live streams, whether that's um, an individual behind a camera kind of doing selfie style tour um, all the way to uh, big builders doing kind of more produced events. Um, so for one, we just wanted to kind of create a virtual event that was not only promoted to our customers, but also our prospects, our current homeowners, our employees, uh-huh. uh, our vendors, kind of building up that sense of community among the My Homes family, um, which was really cool to to put together and really just leave any incentives or anything like that separate. We really just wanted to focus on just a nice, well put on event that neighbors could come together and and cook along for the holidays. Um, We also, as you know, are dipping our toes into live events. We wanted to kind of go full tilt on this one, Uh which may seem extreme to some people like, oh, they did fly in a host from Dallas. They did hire uh, or work partner with um, a local professional chefs. We use a video production team, but we really wanted to just go full tilt to see an experiment with all these different elements of live video so that we could bring those insights back to, to our team and kind of go into 2021 prepared and gained or with the knowledge of how to do all these sorts of things. Yeah, I think it's a, I think it's a really interesting approach, especially, uh, you know, a builder selling 30, 50, hundred homes a year, isn't going to have the resources to do what you did, mm-hmm. at least not responsibly. They certainly could. I know owners, uh, who, who would, who would give it a shot. But when you're trying to learn something that you haven't done, uh, internally, and, and again, that's the difference between a builder who would partner with someone who just does all this stuff, or has expertise in this area versus wanting to develop that, uh, that talent understanding and and knowledge base in house, you can either start out doing it on the cheap and having people hold iPhones and, you know, regular light bulbs and, and just kind of seeing what happens and and figure out the gaps from there and improve them. Or you Mm -hmm. can kind of, for lack of a better term, over engineer the project and then figure out where you could scale back next time and get comparable results. And I think that's, um, as much as you guys uh, work on the brand at MI, and I think your your owner um, founders team in particular more than 
any other CEO really that I, I've had the chance to interact with understands uh, what, what a brand does for an organization like yours. Mm-hmm. Um, that going, going on the cheap end wasn't a good option. So <laughs> you, know, you guys made the right <laughs> choice to, to go o- overboard a little bit in some sense, but, but then you can figure out, okay, next time, maybe we don't need this. Maybe we can scale down here. And, um, and also as the divisions then would end up talking to you about, we want to do a, you know, some probably Texas mm-hmm. division. I don't know your divisions, but <laughs> guessing someone in like Austin or Houston, would, you know, this has got to be bigger and better in Texas. Like, Hey, we want to put on a real live stream and we want to go create and maybe even surpass what you guys tried. And you can be like, eh, you don't need to do quite all of that, but you know, let's mm-hmm. talk through it. So again, I think that's just really smart, smart approach. Yeah, well for done. sure. Thank you. Uh, so let, let's talk about what do you think uh, builders as a whole, but certainly this is going to come back because, you know, when I worked at MVR, we used to kind of, people would say, well, don't you, and I did feel a little bit like you don't see what's happening everywhere else because you're so focused on your own world. And it's like, yes, I do. And yet with, at the time, I think 45 divisions at NVR, it was its own world. It's kind of like my own joke here of, Yes, we're quarantined, but there's still four little people. And so it feels like there's a lot of action <laughs> happening all the time. Like I don't, I don't, I never feel alone. Uh, and so however you need to answer, but wh- where do you think content needs to go for builders? And I also want to kind of travel in the future with you and have you tell me where you think I'm crazy, but, but what's, what's still the biggest struggle when it comes to content in terms of uh, both the types of content and types of media, and then just overall. I think a forever challenge, especially in our world with hundreds and hundreds of homes that we're trying to promote at any given time, uh, just that balance of quantity and quality. And now there's this new element of all these different channels that we're promoting these things on. Uh So you can't just create a video and have it be a one size fits all you have to create a concept and then create the 15 second video for instagram stories we want to create the six second video for youtube pre-roll ads we want to create a longer video that kind of goes more in depth for those nerds out there that love consuming that nitty-gritty information about this particular home so it's really amplifies the amount of time that you have to put into that singular piece of content because like I said it you can't just create one piece now you have to kind of create all sorts of pieces and even going back to video maybe you want to write out a complimentary written piece about it so it just the list goes on and on so I guess just kind of taking content and amplifying it yeah. and creating multiple versions of it and the mess that that, that needs kind to be paid attention to makes, yeah. uh, you know, I've had executives ask me, you know, why, I don't understand why my team can't, can't just do it with the one person that I hired four mm-hmm. years ago, who, who just continues to take on more and more and more. I'm like, look behind you. You can't organize your bookshelf. Like <laughs> you're asking this person, exactly. to keep, you know, 20,000 new digital assets a month that are being created, organized and yeah, do the job you originally hired them to do. Right. Yeah, I feel like the term marketing manager holds so many hats 
even more so than ever before. Um, but I do think in 2021, we're gonna, we're finally gonna get kind of the the credit and the teams and the roles that we need to to support those individuals that are kind of those standalone marketing departments and, and some builders. Yeah. Because 2020 did teach us that content wasn't just for our prospects. It was also something that our sales teams had to have in order to even facilitate not full-on sales conversations, although those did happen, but just uh, just facilitate conversations generally. If you didn't have images to reference or send the customer or for them to view, it, mm -hmm. it would just didn't it didn't work. And so I think you're you're absolutely right. Um, what about how do you, how do you guys handle photography? Because um, I just yesterday I got two additional emails of, can I Kevin let my salespeople just take an iPhone and like uh, two in 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 one day? And and it, it's interesting that we're still having this conversation in light of what we all feel like we should have learned in 2020. How, how do you guys handle photography assets? And that might be different by division. I don't know. Uh, it is different by divisions and it all kind of flows through our team before any photography hits our website or even social media. Uh -huh. um, going back to what you just said, I think there is sometimes a time and place for an iPhone photo or video, <laughs> yeah. um, especially in the social media world. It, it feels more genuine. It feels more real. Mm -hmm. Um, but I think we really need to set our standards pretty high when it comes to website photography. Um, yeah. And that's where, so, you know, I, my advice was the same, you know, yes, you can, if it, if it meets a certain threshold, if you're, if that's all you have, you also may want to do some training courses at a sales meeting about how, the basics of framing up a shot and exposure and, uh, just mm -hmm. some of those things to help you if that's all you're ever going to have. But also it's a function of the market conditions too. And I'm not talking about for an ad, let's just, for everyone, listen to your mind's eye. We're just talking about a listing on your own site, right? Because mm -hmm. I, I completely agree. There's a different, you know, that's why filters do exist is that you, you do want to sometimes project something different in an ad or a social post, but on a listing on your own site, um, the current market conditions, you know, where there is no inventory, maybe showing a picture of a house in framing as long as you know the, the grading looks like it's been taken care of to a certain extent as long as there's not trash in a porta john in the yard <laughs> maybe showing people that the house is in framing and and so do you think the the standards of of what those photos are should be considered or reconsidered in, in a time like now where we're showing a house in framing might be exciting to people who think that there is nothing in process even that they can move into sooner than later yeah, I think you're exactly right in that. Um, I think there is opportunity for those in construction photos when done properly. I've seen stunning photos of homes in framing, but like you said, I have also a giant folder of kind of wall of shame photos that people <laughs> take of the porta potties in the background <laughs> and different things like that, like a pack of cigarettes on the counter, things that you just don't want people to see. Um, <laughs> So uh, I think there is a need for that to show that there is still activity going on. Uh -huh. um, I also think that there's a huge opportunity for more kind of representational photography of maybe some product or models that you have with a similar product. And, and talk, just to me, putting... talk to us more about that. 
because that is the one thing that uh, I feel like reflects off people most when I talk about it is I'm like, well, just use something representational. They're like, huh, no yeah. way, because someone's going to come and talk to me. You know, someone may call me, Kevin, and say, I just had an interesting conversation with a prospect who didn't realize the home is done, is, is not done. What, what, what do you say to those kinds of objections about representational imagery? I mean, I think that there's a huge opportunity there and that it's definitely under leveraged even within our team and our divisions. Um, I mean, we're trying to sell dirt. We're trying to sell home sites that aren't there yet. These homes aren't going to be built for seven months. So people are coming to our site and looking at really great renderings of what the home's going to look like. But mm -hmm. if we've got the content and the library of images that are similar, why wouldn't we use those and repurpose those? Obviously, you need to disclaim those and say that these are for representational purposes only. Um, but it's really going to help paint that picture. And if you pair it with a stellar uh, inventory description, um, and your floor plans, I think it makes for a really complete listing on your site. And <laughs> yeah, I mean, it, one, the objection of, well, they didn't realize that it's actually in drywall. Okay. But let's keep in mind, most people today are no longer just driving around for hours on multiple tanks of gas to look at homes. So they're probably going to reach out or call. And it also sometimes just shows a potential issue with the UX of your site itself. If mm -hmm. your site doesn't have an estimated completion date or a status uh, at all, and you put those images without that uh, notation that you mentioned that these are representational images, well, yeah, of course people are going to think that that's what it actually is because your site doesn't have a way of communicating differently. I've even, you know, Sometimes when we're just looking for an image uh, for, for use generally for a community, a new community coming soon, and you always hear, well, this is new products, Kevin, so we have nothing. I'm like, mm -hmm. yes, you yeah, have heard something. That one before. You have hundreds and thousands of homes that closed this year that you took pictures of. And is it, the thing is, if you zoom in close enough, eventually there's something representative that is similar to what the new product is going to have. It may just be the corner of the fridge, countertop, and a cabinet. But, you know, I keep talking about this over and over, Carly. There's, there's L-shaped kitchens. There's galley kitchens. There's U-shaped kitchens. There's only so many different kitchen shapes. Mm -hmm. And so if you zoom in close enough where they can't see all of the intricate details, to not be able to have, you know, two or three product photos to use in a, on a coming soon community page that are representative enough just kind of blows my mind. That, that Yeah, people are, people are craving that, that content that describes even things that seem silly to us, like you said, like the gas range or elements of a home. I think about uh, last year when I was leasing a car for the first time and exploring cars, like I want to see a zoomed up picture of what the air conditioning looks like. <laughs> I want to see like what the buttons look like on the car. Yeah. So, and I think about my friends and family and how they consume content there's always going to be like the person that loves to read paragraphs of information of text and the disclaimers and all the bells and whistles. But there's also the visual people that like to consume the, the photography and the videos. So we really just need to 
think about yeah, that. Wh there's why, why do you think most builders still don't have the ability to zoom in truly on images? Like why do we have 800 by 600, 1024 by whatever, and you can't zoom in and get a high res image like you can on, on so many websites today, I, of course, Amazon, but everywhere else too, it seems like. Yeah, I think it's just not always top of mind, especially with people working with vendors that kind of just go out to the homes and, and snap these shots. If we don't tell them our standards of like, okay, when you go to each of these homes, I expect you to take pictures of all of the finishes and the appliances, mm -hmm. then we're, we're not going to get that. <laughs> we're right. not going to get that content. We just need to communicate our expectations and needs up front for with the people and the photographers and the videographers and the people flying drones of the exact things we need. Otherwise it's never going to reach the website. Yeah. Well, of course I used to shy away from the card talk because it happened so frequently, but I, I'm, I'm now I've decided we need to go even further because of the realities that car shopping online should be teaching us. That is not, mm -hmm. for example, every image on Tesla's website is representational. Now, sure. They're relatively standardized. But when I look at the picture of that car, that's not the one I'm going to get. That is yeah, not. Those, those cars take time to build. It's actually the perfect, uh, yeah. the perfect bridge of like new construction is Tesla. Yeah. And in a lot of ways, in a lot of ways. Mm -hmm. But, you know, when I say it's not the same, some there may be small defects in mind that are different than the than the perfect one on the website. Tesla doesn't say, you know what, we should show some defects to like they're mm -hmm. they're showing us a representation of the best that they can do in order to get us to the point emotionally where we want to go through the checkout process. But I think other interesting thing about Tesla's content, and this is going in the future with me, and then we'll wrap up talking more about rental and um, and new construction differences. I think that um, buy online in 2020 is something that a lot of builders are going to say they have accomplished. And I'm on record on this podcast now, as well as a prediction article that should be published by the time everyone hears this of saying, I don't Ooh. think we're ready for that. And I think even if someone puts a button on their website that says purchase or buy or whatever, um, they're not doing what the consumer thinks they're doing. Meaning making a reservation is not the same as purchasing. Mm -hmm. Uh, and going to Tesla in the car process, Carly, there are no more than five choices to make when you're purchasing a Tesla model S or a Tesla model three on their website, five, including the color of the exterior and what type of rims you want on your wheels. Those are two of the five choices. So there's only really three, I would say any, anywhere somewhat complicated choices to make. And yet Tesla still has to have showrooms and Tesla still has to have sales reps who help people make those three decisions. Right. <laughs> and we think that our interactive floor plans, if, you know, if we just had pricing to our interactive floor plans and then let people add to cart and check out, we got this. It's like, <laughs> well, are you kidding me? Does that, any of that make sense to you? Or, or, uh, I just think we're, we're kidding ourselves if we think that inventory might be one thing, but we don't have that right now. So a builder, that's the other thing we keep choking about on, on, on calls with builder partners is the one thing I do know is that if you have something that's already hard to manage and you just add technology to do it faster, it's just going to like, can you imagine selling all of your inventory with the click of a button online right now and the chaos? Yeah, it would. The absolute chaos that would cause I, for customers, sales reps, everyone. 
my heart is racing <laughs> thinking about that. And especially as a person that manages the website, just thinking through that is. Yeah. I mean, I, I just don't think, I don't think most people are thinking through this thoughtfully enough of, can you imagine you talk about how a customer could be upset when a house is not as far along as they think it is and they go to see it or, or a real estate agent. Can you imagine a sales mm -hmm. rep thinking that they have five homes to sell, having a conversation with a customer and then just that second, the home is gone. Right. I feel like we deal with that today. Like if there's yeah. even the, the slightest delay in a home on our interactive map that was lit up green, that actually was sold. And it's like 12 hours behind, like all hell breaks loose. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And I, so, so I, I don't know the best way to even ask you this question, but the amount of time that it, did, are, are you involved at all in, in the interactive plan part of content creation or, or do you see that process happen at MI? So like our interactive community maps? Uh, floor plans. Oh, floor plans. Yeah. Yeah. We're involved with um, putting those onto the website and kind of working with our vendors to create those. Do you use Media Lab? Is that who you use? Yep. Yeah. Media Lab. Out of Florida. Um, and I think Will's actually doing a, a webinar with them uh, oh, on yeah. interactive I think floor that's... plans soon too. It might be today. Yeah, it's probably through the, the magic of time travel on podcasts. You probably <laughs> missed it, but I'm sure there's a recording you can go see. I just the amount of time that goes into creating those and the and the standardization necessary to even get you know I think we have five choices to make in the powder room of most homes unfortunately still um, mm -hmm. that we could be making online but the, the the amount of energy and time goes into that and um, I, I just think from a content perspective the number of questions and then you've got the the actual contract itself so if you hit buy now and you were going to wire or somehow electronically fund $10,000 to a builder and digitally sign a purchase agreement that's 25 pages long, clearly written by lawyers. It's not a little pop-up that says, make this home yours with a, with a smiley <laughs> face emoji. I think consumer's behavior, and this is going to bring us back to the rental world, I think. It, I think consumer behavior is going to immediately pause there and be like, I think I need to talk to someone. Yeah, buying a home is kind of a kind of a big, uh, decision. <laughs> yeah. Now when you were in the rental business, was anyone doing like a reservation system online at that time? I know it sounds weird to say that only being like four years ago, but I have to keep remembering that, you know, I didn't have an iPhone until I think 2009, 2010. So. Yeah. So there definitely was some innovations here and there, but like I said, it, a lot of companies were still pretty old school. Uh -huh. um, so like there was some rental companies doing like live chat options. There was some that. Had, I remember, I think you could book your appointment online, which is yeah. like nowadays is a no brainer. <laughs> you could uh, book your appointment online. And I think they would show like availability of like how many three bedrooms are left and how many two bedrooms are left. And that was helpful exactly. as a consumer mm -hmm. to get some sense of how quickly you may need to move. But I don't remember yeah. full-on reserve online. Yeah, the standard was basically just on the website. You could filter down. I want a two-bedroom, two-bathroom. And it would say like three units left. And oftentimes, they would even get as specific as to show you the exact floor plan of that apartment. Because in some places, they came in all shapes and sizes. Um, it seems like a very little thing, but some, some places don't have that technology. 
Um, what, what kind of consumer differences in behavior have you seen or, or watched in turn related to content or timeframes or just generally talk to us about some of those, those broader differences between rental and single family that, that you've noticed? I think in the renter world, it was definitely more fast paced. People are looking up apartments and visiting them the same day versus I think sometimes in the uh, new construction world, people take their time a little bit more um, to do their research and to visit multiple locations to drive around the neighborhood. Um, so I think there's some differences there in just the pace, the pace of life <laughs> mm -hmm. and the pace of the consumer. Yeah. So then everything has to accelerate, right? The, the follow-up speed and, and amount, the, um, that, that cycle time being, being much shorter means even for instance, uh, very tactically when it comes to paid search, we talk about this a lot. You don't have to win every click on, you know, new homes, Hilliard, Ohio, because people are going to put that in more than once. So you don't have to optimize your budget and spend to get a hundred percent coverage in the first place position every time, because they're going to be searching even as fast as people are maybe moving today, a couple of weeks or a couple of months as they're educating themselves and, and going through that search process, where in the rental world, you probably want to be prioritizing your spend there to capture that click because they may not come back around. Yeah. People move again. within days and weeks versus mm -hmm. a family that wants to build from the ground up and is anticipating a longer journey there. Uh -huh. uh, the last content question I have for you is quizzes. Am I, seems to have a love affair with quizzes and, and interactivity yes. in your marketing. Where is, where does that come from? What have the, what have the campaigns taught you as you've done those over the years, anything that you wish you could do differently on the next one or some insight that you found that you want to share? Yeah. I wish I had Krista from my team. She kind of owns the quiz world and could probably talk to you for you hours. You have a about quiz queen topic. at MI? We have a quiz queen. Wow. Yes. Krista is the quiz queen. So shout out to you, Krista. I hope you're listening to this. <laughs> um, but yeah, so before my time at MI, we ran a quiz. I believe it was a uh, new versus resale. Like, uh -huh. do you want a new home or a resale home? And we put it out into the world. And we found that a lot of people were taking that quiz, which I think they weren't expecting. So we actually got some, well, not some, there was a ton of pushback from <laughs> our internet sales managers of like, stop sending me these junk quiz takers. Mm, <laughs> so you, you guys made them, it wasn't just for fun. They, these were, this was a lead source for you. Yeah. But I yeah. think they, like I said, this is before I, I started at MI, but yeah. the story that I've heard <laughs> is that um, they just weren't expecting that high of a demand for someone taking a quiz like that. Uh-huh. If I remember too, the quiz was, um, I will say deviantly designed brilliantly and deviantly because it was, I think it was what kind of home person are you? And you would answer five or six questions and almost like all roads led to Rome all, all, all quiz answers led to you're a new home person, certainly because it's, it's being run by a new home builder. But that, that, that mm -hmm. I thought, always thought was, was funny, uh, approach to it as well. It was like, it got the interactivity involved. Um, but there wasn't, 
at the time as much lot it was like everything you're a new you're new it didn't ever say go buy that 40 year old dump because that's that's you yeah it was kind of a conversation starter right um and since then we have really evolved the use of our quizzes um we pair them a lot with some of the blog posts that we write and kind Mm. of promote those um hand in hand Mm -hmm. Um, and we've also just expanded our topics into things like what's your bedroom style or um like what's your dream location and i don't know all sorts of different avenues that we take and and we've also tested out different ways of promoting those uh, like do these work better in an email setting or on social media or within a blog post, like I just said. So it's really been um, a learning curve and really fun exploring kind of what we can get out of those. Um, And we continue to see people taking those quizzes and our ISMs can then follow up and say, hey, I love your kitchen style. We actually do have three kitchens that look exactly like this Mm. in this community over here and just kind of offers them a new way to reach out and follow up without sounding too salesy. I think our, our online salespeople are always looking for new and fresh ways to to talk to people that isn't our typical. And not, not necessarily. I mean, you don't have to have the automation part with it. Certainly not. But at some point, systems will continue to develop where uh, the, the more you can get people to answer quizzes or questions. And I think that's where um, people like uh, Anugo and and others are, are thinking we're going to find a way to use AI to basically every click you make is a survey, right? Like, that's exactly what I was about to get to is I think moving into the new year, we're, we're going to take it sort of to the next level and, and take like how people fill out answers on those quizzes and basically use it for consumer research. Like, oh, people really like this particular type of product. People are, if we ask them, how would you use your flex space? And a ton of people are selecting home office. Like that tells you something. Yeah. Um, And that's really just been on my mind as a whole, not only from quizzes, it's just like, I feel like the industry needs a consumer research reset. (laughs) Yes. Of just reevaluating and validating what what people need at this time because right. i'm sure it's way different than it was january 8th of last you're year you're <laughs> absolutely right i i think that what most of the time people look at is the take rate or what people are actually putting into homes but remember the you got two big things happening one um the thing that draws someone to consider a builder or a floor plan or an option and then what they ultimately pick are usually very very different like at Heartland, our best-selling mm. floor plan was the Stanford. Most people ended up considering, strongly considering, or purchasing a one of the 14 elevations of the Stanford. But we also knew that there were floor plans like like the Wakefield or the Pinehurst that would draw people in. And then through the course of self-educating or with the sales rep, they would realize that the better value inherently was the Stanford mm-hmm. and they would be drawn to that. And so not seeing that full pathway, you're losing a lot of understanding of, well, if we could make the Piners or the Wakefield more value value oriented, then it would probably be a the new bestseller because people don't want the Stanford out of the gate. They want one of these other two. And then the other thing is that a lot of options still are being selected by someone in the in the office. And then 
it's built as an inventory home and the customers get yeah. it. And so you've got this kind of, there's on one side, there's the people making predictions of this is the new trend. Everyone's going to want this. And, and that's not really oriented with data. It's more consumer, broad consumer research. And then saying, how does that apply to homes? And then you've got people just looking at what is actually purchased and that there's that big gap that, that exists in between. So I think you're right. Like, but that, that's also what makes it hard is saying that every click is a survey. I, I always go back to, we don't know why people are making that click though. It could be, yeah. you know, I, and I use this example because it happens so many times. Every time my wife and I look at moving or building is like, one of us likes one thing, one of us likes the other. And we, and so we keep going back to that and trying to show the other person like, but look at this, this is so great. And they're like, <laughs> over my dead body, we're never building that or we're never mm -hmm. doing that. And so you don't know, uh, unless you're doing some other type of micro surveying along the way, perhaps what people are really, why are they there? Are they there because they hate it or because they love it? And is it the, is it the last place they clicked at that was their favorite or was the first community that they looked on the website, the one that they you know, scratched on a notepad somewhere that they want to remember that one because that one was their favorite. You just don't. Yeah, that's a really good point. Just people kind of clicking an answer just to click an answer versus yeah. what did they really like daydream about? And one of my favorite really, commercials of all time is an Adobe commercial. And, and these the shows like the CEO seeing all these orders flooding in and this, so they order more materials and then it flashes over to China and the factories are all like, order more, get, find more wood, find more whatever. And it's just a baby on an iPad, like clicking the buy button, add to cart. So they're just seeing all these things getting added to cart, never actually checking out, but they're changing everything because of the data that's coming through. And just, yeah, I, <laughs> I think that's what a lot of times we end up falling into. <laughs> Carly, what's your big goal for 2021? What's the big, hairy, audacious goal? Oh. The BHAG. For one thing, one thing I really want to do is get back into the trenches. I miss visiting communities more, visiting our divisions. Obviously, that got put on a huge halt. Yeah, yeah. But I think most of our best ideas come from talking with different people within our company and within the industry. So I'm really trying to dive back into that, um, tour our homes more often even talk with like, go downstairs in my office building and talk to <laughs> the guy from MI Financial and just really yeah pick, pick their brain on their frequently asked questions that they get every day. What are people demanding? Because um, I think that there's just like nuggets of gold content that comes from those in-person conversations and experiences that we just haven't gotten a huge chance to do last year. Yeah, that's a that's awesome to hear you say that because that's a that's a sign of someone who really understands marketing is the more like I just remember you couldn't keep me from going into the field at least once a week. It was I've I've got to go see a model, I've got to go visit a neighborhood, I've got to go ask the sales rep about something, see their actual facial expression so that I know they're not just telling me what I think I need to hear in an email. You know, all all those things are so critical to what we do. So Yeah. yeah and then I, I would say the other one that I that has just been on my mind uh, coming out of 2020 into 2021 is just really building the momentum of the user-generated content. Mm. I think, especially with, um, I feel like a lot of companies, even outside of our industry, are are leveraging this more and more. Mm -hmm. And I think it's it's so important 
I want to, for lack of a better phrase, I want to talk about, talk less about ourselves yeah, and, and have others talk about us more. <laughs> that is so interesting. When we were trying to decide the hardwood to put in our new home, of course you could go to the local flooring company and see the little sample piece. But my wife reached out to the manufacturer to ask some questions. And I thought it was amazing because I don't, I mean, obviously they sell a lot of wood, a lot of, a lot of mm -hmm. floors, but she was asking <laughs> about a particular skew that they offered. And they're like, Oh, well, you know what you need to do. You need to go to this in Instagram account because she documented the process of the floor being installed and has kind of feedback reviews. I mean, it just kind of blew my mind that they weren't just trying to stay within the box of corporate speak. And like, here's an Instagram account. Go there. My wife reaches out to her. There's a ton of her. Instagram accounts that... Right? There, there's a ton of Instagram accounts now of just families and individuals that are going through the building and buying process and created entirely separate accounts from their personal accounts to document that journey. And I think yeah. that's incredible. Yeah. And we can kind of foster that content and work with them to to get that in front of their friends and family. So one of the one of the concerns my wife had in particular was about scratches from the golden retriever on the floor that might that might occur. And this this lady, I don't know if she's an actual influencer blogger or whatever, but she you know, had specific comments about she owns two golden retrievers and they don't bother the floor at all and was like on her hands and knees taking pictures from different angles as proof of this. And so my wife did go to the account, did look at it obviously, but then just commented like, thank you so much. This is perfect. Exactly what I needed. As if she was replying back to the company. Like she never told the company right. thanks. She told this. It's like she, <laughs> she got the answer she needed without even reaching out to the company itself, which is yeah. crazy. What goes mm -hmm. down in the DMs these days is <laughs> right. just like people messaging each other like, oh, I want to hear about your experience with X, Y, and Z. I just think it's another way that people are doing their research without having to pick up the phone and call somebody, which yeah. a lot of people are still scared to do sometimes. Yeah. Well, here's to hoping that the MI lawyers don't shut you down too fast because that's the only part about all this is ever, everyone gets so scared about, you know, what happens when things go wrong, when consumers get upset. But I, I wish yeah. you, I wish you well. And yeah, I, someone, I've, someone's going to figure it out. Why not, why not Carly? I've seen both extremes of the spectrum. So I'm ready for it. <laughs> All right. I like that energy going into 2021. Carly, thanks so much for taking the time. And uh, tell Will that, again, we said sorry. No, <laughs> tell him we said hello. Thank you so much for the opportunity. I, I love being on this podcast. And I'm excited of, of what's to come in this year. Yeah. Let's go get it. All right. See ya. All right. Thanks again to Carly for hopping on. And I think this was her first public debut to the world. Um, so she's stepping out of, of Mr. Dudasat's shadow and bringing on her own voice. And we love it. Uh, thanks again, Carly, for hopping on. You, I'm sure you'll hear and see her in a lot more places to come. But we love having the first opportunity to to introduce you guys to new names and and new people. And I also, we have to make sure we do a special shout out to Sarah Titus. Uh, from Eastbrook Homes, because in the Facebook group, she posted, I think this was last Friday, 
a example to um, a content piece that they worked on around their um, option and selection process. Mm-hmm. And I think she put it on a Friday secretly to make a lot of marketers like think and work on this idea over the weekend. It was kind of like, <laughs> or ruin your weekend. It yeah. was a little, it was perfect. We loved it. Um, and everyone, everyone freaked out. But if you haven't had a chance to see that, definitely go back to the, to the group. Um, there's a series of nine different sections and there's a video for each section. There's different, um, like document downloads to help people through the process of each section. There's, um, what else there's, um, uh, not script, but they've taken the, they have transcripts of all the videos as well. It's just really, really well done and broken up in a digestible format and serves as a great example of what you could do around all different parts of the process, not just the design studio. So I imagine Sarah and her team will continue to be building on that. And she is going to be coming on the podcast uh, soon to explain yeah. more about how that project worked and time yes. frame that it took. Amazing. And, but I mean, when you've got people like Don Dantzler saying, this is amazing, very well done, I'm blown away. And then two seconds later, she says, literally sent this to my team as a goal. We will be creating a replica of it in your honor. You know, it's going to be something good. So check that yeah. out. Imagine how much better those buyers will be in the design studio. Like, right. They'll just like, mm-hmm. and it gives them something to do while they're waiting. Oh, yeah. It's a lot to do. I just clicked on and- kitchen inspiration and there's 179 images <laughs> to go through and decide. Like, yeah. yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. That's a binge worthy concept we talk about. Exactly. Binge yeah. worthy. The Netflix effect. All right. This week's new question of the week is, do you, has your builder implemented a waitlist procedure of some sort in any of your currently open communities? So again, we're not talking about VIP presale without fail. We're talking about currently open communities or phases. Have you gone to a waitlist format and for extra credit slash gift card prize of yet to be determined dollar amount? (laughs) <laughs> uh, if in the comments you want to tell us a little bit about the process that you're using, because I, th- I feel like right now, more than anything else, that's what builders need to be uh, trying to figure out. At least the builders that we've talked to are all just, hey, we've had to go to a waitlist process where we are because of the overwhelming demand. We don't want to sell too fast, but we need help talking through the best way to implement this in a more strategic way. So head over to the Facebook group. Give us uh, your answers and be entered to win an Amazon gift card. A uh, quick reminder, you can call in with your questions or comments about this episode or any other to 404-369-2595 or email them to show at doyouconvert.com. For published articles, blog posts, videos, and more, check out doyouconvert.com. It's also the best way to find out how to connect with us on Facebook, Instagram, LinkedIn, and everywhere else we are online. We'll see you Beautiful. next week, everybody. See y'all.